listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. All right, man. So now we're about a quarter, roughly almost a quarter away through the through the season. Time flies. Time does fly. You know what? We're like, what, almost a month and a half into the season? Crazy. Um... But now we're starting to see what teams are actually going to be like. What are like who are the true kind of good teams and who are the true kind of bad teams? But there are teams that kind of either fall short of expectations or are just performing in a level that you you could just question like what's wrong with them? You know what I'm saying? So that's a question that we want to answer for two teams that are underperforming in their own unique ways. You know, one of them hits very home for us, and the other is a very popular topic right now. And yes, we. We have no choice but to talk about them. They're a huge brand. So we wanted to answer the question, what's wrong with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Toronto Raptors? Uh, but before that, all that, if you haven't already done so, definitely subscribe to the show on all the platforms. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Uh, basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under podcast. So definitely subscribe there so you don't miss out on great content from us in the future. But... The Los Angeles Lakers and the Toronto Raptors, both teams struggling in their own ways. Now, in the case for the Lakers, they were trying to be a contender. And I say trying, like, because they are, that's what they're supposed to do. When you have the best player in the world, and again, that's a debate at this point, if he still is, I still think he is. Well, again, you kind of also have to be on the court to be the best player in the world. That is true. Unfortunately, it does seem like father time is starting to catch up. But... Regardless of the fact the Lakers were supposed or built as if they're trying to win a championship. The Raptors, meanwhile, they weren't necessarily built to win a championship, but they were more so built to be, you know, a decent mid, you know, mid-tier team. And so far, both teams have kind of fallen short on that one. Yeah, man. So starting out with the biggest team, arguably, in the league, we have the Los Angeles Lakers. And currently, they're struggling, to put it lightly. <laughs> they have a 9-10 and 10 record. Uh... Bad enough for the ninth seed in the West, which is definitely not what they expect it to be um, at this current, current juncture in the season. They're 25th in offensive rating, 20th in defensive rating, and they have the 24th overall net rating. So they're bottom 10. They're a bottom 10 team in the league, basically. And to your point, that's not something you want to be as a championship contender, especially with the types of names that they have and the fact that they have LeBron James. They have one of the biggest markets in the league. And they are by far one of the most polarizing teams in the league, let's face it. So for the Lakers starting out, we have, you know, we have to talk about the injuries firstly. Um, They've already ran nine different starting lineups. Basically, everyone on the team has missed time. Uh, Kendrick Nunn and Trevor Reza, two big, uh, two, you know, big offseason additions for them. Haven't even played a game for them yet. Um, I think actually maybe Kendrick Nunn might have played. I'm not sure. But like basically, they haven't played at all. LeBron James, arguably the league's best player, um, and definitely the Lakers' most important player, has missed 11 of their 19 games so far. Now, he missed 10 due to various injuries, um, and one, obviously, for the suspension that we'll talk about later on. Um, But yeah, so like I mentioned, the injuries have just decimated the Lakers, and again... And this is not something you wanted to happen, but when you have a team as old as the Lakers, this is kind of expected to happen. You you can't assemble a team with a bunch of 35 plus year olds, you know, a bunch of 30 plus year olds and not 
unfortunately expect there to be some sort of, you know, injury repercussions for that. Yeah, I mean, and you kind of hinted at it earlier. Like, father time is, like, LeBron's in year 19. Like, at this point, we kind of expect some level of decline of some kind. And honestly, it does seem like his body isn't holding up as it used to be. You know, as it normally does, as we're accustomed to seeing it, you know, perform at. And and that's no fault of LeBron, but it's just kind of how things are. And the Lakers, as an organization, should have foreseen that and kind of gotten more useful figures rather than going after the veterans that they, you know, went after. You know, I, I joked all offseason that it was the retirement home, and you can kind of see why. And because of those said injuries, you know, they've had a lack of proper rotations. They've had... They haven't had a proper team to sort of build. You know, we know with championship contenders, chemistry is arguably the most important factor in building those contenders. And if you have a team that's swapping guys in and out every single day, it's, you know, it's not going to work. Now, again, we can throw it back to, you know, a couple of years ago when we talked about the Toronto Raptors and the team that they won a championship with. Now, they kind of had guys coming in and out of the lineup as well, but they at least had a stable core. They had a core that had been there for a couple of years together. They added in a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who's a robot and who just comes onto the court and, you know, plays like a top five player in the Dominates. league. Dominates. And the Lakers currently don't have that. They have LeBron, but obviously, as we mentioned, you're 19. It's not going so well. And then, you know, AD's a step below that, and the rest of our team is completely new. It's literally a whole new team. And so, because of those what injuries... Like only three guys from last season are still exactly, on the team? Exactly, yeah. Three guys only. And due to that, you know, uh, they can't build a proper, you know, rotation. First of all, you know, a guy like DeAndre Jordan, I think, should be banned from the basketball court. Let me just put it, put that first, bro. I don't understand how this guy still plays actual minutes. Because Andre Lakers, Drummond still plays. In fairness to Andre Drummond, he's been pretty damn good for the Sixers, which... You know, I didn't see coming, but pleasant surprise for the Sixers. DeAndre Jordan, the Lakers should have learned from his Brooklyn stint. This guy sucks. You know, basically the only thing that went well for his career and his calling card for his whole career was A, lob threat, um, and B, defensive anchor. Now, he basically plays no defense at this stage of his career. And the Lakers can't get any lobs because of the fact that they have no dribble penetration. Why don't they have any dribble penetration? As I'll talk about later, lack of shooting. When everyone can clog up the lane, you're not going to get I was going to add one more for DeAndre Jordan. It's no Chris Paul. Again, you need a guy who, an elite pass, like, like you know, at least a, an elite passer to get you the ball in the right spot. I mean, he? Russell Westbrook's a pretty good lob passer, I would say. But he's not Chris but Paul. But he's not Chris Paul. And so, again, like I said, DeAndre Jordan should be out of the rotation completely. Um, they're still starting out DJ at the center spot for each half. So he's playing approximately like 12 minutes a game. That's not going to win many games for you. Um, their second most used lineup has two bigs in it with Anthony Davis and DeAndre Jordan. Now, again, we've already mentioned previously many times that AD is most successful playing the center position. But, you know, with DeAndre Jordan, especially rather than a guy like Dwight Howard, it, it's not going to work. And plus, on top of that, Frank Vogels also ran some weird lineups, which he's been known to do, and which has also been a constant criticism of his. You know, for example, running like a Rondo Westbrook lineup, I don't know how he thought that would be a good idea, but he's done it. On what planet? Um, and like I said, it's been an issue since last year for Frank Vogel, and it's been kind of like a constant te- theme throughout his coaching career. Listen, I'm going to say one thing about Frank Vogel, and this is something that we said when he was first hired. Was he truly the best coach you can absolutely find? I don't think he was, man. Like, in terms of pure X's and O's, he's okay. He's not the type of coach who can 
overcome circumstances like like the one that the Lakers are in right now, especially offensively. Especially offensively, but like it just doesn't make any sense. And I wouldn't be surprised. And again, we'll talk about Deshaun's hit list later. But I wouldn't be surprised if Frank Vogel is the next name on that list to to lose his job because, quite frankly, he isn't doing a good job, and the team is suffering. Even though expectations are sky high. Well, first of all, I haven't put Frank Vogel on my coaching list. Not yet. My coaching hit list. But, again, it's it's a common theme. And because of all these issues, again, um, the Lakers' play style has not been great. Their players have not meshed at all. Again, lack of minutes together. Just bad overall fit on the team. You know, the, the team constructed by Rob Polinka. They have the issue with the Lakers is that they have no clear identity of what they want to be. And Kenny Smith brought this up on uh, TNT the other night. You know, at least when they had their championship season, they struggled offensively. But they had an identity defense. that they could, you know, fall back on. Which was, you play defense and the offense will find itself at least a little bit, right? You rely on your two guys, LeBron and AD, to carry the hell of your offense. And you just play amazing defense, especially amazing interior defense. You basically allow nothing at the rim. This Lakers team has no identity at all. You know, with their players, for example, Russell Westbrook, we know how, you know, how good he is when he has spacing around him, when he can run up and down the court. He's had no space to work with, which has basically reduced his effectiveness to being a half-court point guard who can't shoot at all. Um, you know, we've seen a guy like Ben Simmons. doesn't work that well in, this, <laughs> in today's NBA. It doesn't work that well. Except um, Russ actually shoots the ball. Yeah, at least Russ shoots the ball. Maybe he should probably shoot a little less. That's another discussion. But Anthony Davis has been, you know... Credit time, he's been pushing through injuries and illness and whatnot. But he's why? Been, Again, but it's, I, it's the same thing with Anthony Davis over and over and over again. Why can't this guy stay healthy? Even now, he's missing the game. Like, to, on the day we're recording, he's missing tonight's game. Yeah. <laughs> because he has, he has a fever. Like, But again, because of that, he's also been inconsistent. I'll talk about shooting a bit later. LeBron James, we know will be fine, but he also kind of needs to figure out what his role is going to be in the system because even I don't think he knows exactly what it's going to be. And especially at this stage of his career, he can figure it out. But with the amount of games that he's missing, it's not conducive to success. Um, another guy, Carmelo Anthony, who has been arguably one of their, not arguably, is has been one of their best offensive best players, players. But the problem is he sucks defensively. You're kind of forced to play mellow big minutes because of how much value it has for you on the offensive end. But he's arguably giving as many points up on the defensive end as he, you know, scores on the offensive end. I will say this for Melo. His, his jumper this season has been on Beautiful, fire. Beautiful, man. But, like, honestly, the guy is shooting the best he's ever shot in his career. And it kind of sucks that he finally decides, okay, I'm, I want a ring chase. And <laughs> this is the situation he got I put mean, in. I mean, he just he gets what his role is going to be, right? He yeah. knows what it's going to be. Basically, on the team, the only guys that have actually had positive plus minuses on the team is LeBron James, Taylor Horn Tucker, who's sucked the last few games, and Austin Reeves. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of not, again, conducive to success. Yeah, when you said Austin Reeves, I was about to say who? <laughs> He's their Alex Crusoe replacement, basically. And I, I really like him as a player. He's so they found another great. white, bald guy. Where's the, where's the headband? <laughs> he, he's not bald. He's not bald. But he is another white guy, basically. Um, and so, again, the question, like I said, what is the team's identity? What is their system on either end of the court? Again, at this rate, Frank Vogel is going to get himself fired. Um, they've had one of the league's easiest schedules so far. Uh, they faced nine team. They've had nine games facing teams who are 
currently out of the playoff race. And they're, again, like I said, 9 and 10 right now. So it's not it's not going good for them at all. Um, their offense, they're 29th in turnovers. They're, you know, turning the ball over basically every single possession. It seems like they're 25th in free throw percentage with, you know, averaging around 74% of their makes. Um, they can't shoot their 14th in percentage at 34.6%. So they're below average shooting the ball from three. They rank 21st in attempts. So they don't take that many threes. They're not making that many threes. Um, LeBron James shooting 36% on seven and a half attempts per game. Meanwhile, AD shooting 19% uh, on 1.9 attempts. Ross shooting 30.2 on 4.5 attempts. So their big three as a whole cannot shoot besides LeBron James. And, you know, you're asking LeBron James to do a lot. Um, other guys on their team, THT, uh, Rajon Rondo, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Ken Bazemore, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan. I just named seven of their top, you know, rotation guys. None of those guys can shoot. So, yeah, again, surprising. offensively, they have no identity. Anthony Davis, for example, he doesn't get on the block when there's another center. Not conducive to success. Russell Westbrook seems to have no idea when to run and when to slow down. Again, lack of identity. LeBron James at this stage of his career is just launching threes. Kind of has to. And also there's no space, like I mentioned. And another question to ask is, is Russell Westbrook having the highest usage rate on the team? Is that a good idea? Mm -mm. Nope, not at all. But again, like when you think about the names you just mentioned, like THT, we knew he couldn't shoot. He's a, he's a slasher. Rondo, we knew he can't shoot. AD, man, I, I, I don't know what to tell you anymore. Like, I keep saying the guy is not the guy tries to be act like a guard when he's when he's a big, but he's too afraid to post up down low, even though he can out muscle a lot of guys. Again, it's a mental thing, I think. At this but point. he's scared of getting hurt. Russell Westbrook, we all know he can't shoot, even though he'll take however many attempts he wants. Kent Bazemore was the only surprising one because he, especially after the Warriors stint that he had, he, he should realistically be shooting better so he might be able to turn it around but again Dwight Howard never been a shooter well Ken Basemore has always been an inconsistent guy, yeah but frankly. regardless I mean I expect out of all these guys he's the only one who has the potential to turn it around and then DeAndre Jordan you just mentioned the guy can barely play offense anymore like he barely can get up the court anymore so like the Lakers and we said this when they brought Russell Westbrook onto this team how is this gonna work you know what I'm saying and so far, it's kind of proved us all right, where it's just like there's no spacing on this team. Westbrook cannot play, especially with the starting five, with LeBron and AD. He just doesn't fit, he doesn't fit that. Yeah, I think also the most disappointing thing has been the defense, I would say, more so than the offense, because of the fact that Frank Vogel's calling card is his defense. And when their defense has been bottom 10 in every statistic, except for basically blocks and turnovers forced... That's not a good sign for a team that has championship aspirations. If you want to be a championship contending team, you have to have at least a top 10 defensive rank. The last team that I've seen, um, and the only team in recent memory that had a garbage defense that still made it to the finals, was that 2018 Cavs team, right? Who basically played no defense. That was a disgraceful team, man. Because they, they, beat, they beat the Raptors and... Yeah, sad times. Man. Oh, sad God. times. Um, they don't defend the three at all. Um, their bigs, for example, DeAndre Jordan, like I mentioned, he just sags. He basically does nothing on defense. Um, their guards don't get around screens or offer any sort of resistance on the three-point line, especially a guy like Russell Westbrook, unfortunately, who's always been known as a lazy defender. Um, so, you know, their defense is garbage. They don't defend well in two-point range. They're 20th in the league in, you know, two-point uh, percentage field, uh, 
two-point field goal percentage um, for their opposing uh, for the opposing teams. And basically, I think for defensively, a lot of it comes down to heart. We know that, right? Oh, the yeah. Lakers, obviously, as a veteran team, seem to be playing through the motions a lot. Um, seem to not be playing hard enough. Now, again, I've seen an interesting point I saw from somebody was that it's the LeBron James effect. You know, LeBron does not really try that much in the regular season. But again, what we have to understand is that, it, and, and the rest of the Lakers also have to understand that that works for LeBron James. Why? Because he's a top three player of all time. He can do whatever he wants in the regular season. We all know what happens come playoff time. He balls out. The rest of the the rest of these guys cannot do that. It doesn't work for them. So even if they are veterans like Carmelo Anthony, like Russell Westbrook, like AD, you can't be going through the motions, man. You gotta be into guys defensively. You gotta be playing that gritty it's, type of defense. Especially this guy, because of the amount of money that he's getting paid, the the way he forced himself to come to Los Angeles. There's expectations that come with this. And the fact is that you're not even 30 years old. You're one of the young guys on the team. And you're not, you're the, they got one of the guys putting the least amount of effort in. Even though you were a defensive player of the year candidate like a couple of years ago. Like, and the thing with this Lakers, like, the, just to give you the rebuttal to what you said about, oh, LeBron doesn't do it, the LeBron effect. Um, LeBron doesn't play for you, you play for yourself. So that's the thing. So if LeBron's not trying, that's his thing. You that's gotta, you gotta go on the court. You gotta earn your money. So that's not a valid reason, to be honest with you. And the fact of the matter is, they're all veterans. They're all coasting because they all don't want to get hurt. They're trying to prepare for the playoffs. To your point, Melo said it best before the season, right? If they fail, that's on them. Why? Because they're veterans. They know how to win. Most of those guys have been on winning teams, right? And so if they're failing, that's their own fault. Especially a guy like this, you, a guy like AD you mentioned is disappointing because it seems like he's regressed instead of progress. Oh, yeah. It seems like he's regressed. And unfortunately, the reality of the fact is that this is... LeBron has numerous times said that this is AD's team. Unfortunately, the reason why it seems like it's still LeBron's team is because whenever LeBron is out, AD seems to not want to take it, Right. Um, AD, yeah. AD isn't that guy, unfortunately, for the Lakers. And it's sad because LeBron, we know, is at the end of his career. And he has so much potential to be that guy. Like, imagine how skilled Anthony Davis actually is. Like, he can he can, he can, can shoot. Now, this season, we're not counting the season. But he can shoot. He has the mid-range. He can post you up. He's athletic. He can guard multiple positions. Like, he's he, the, he can do everything. He is the, the key big man that every team wants. But he... A, can't stay healthy, and B, have the motivation problem. The guy doesn't want to be the main guy. Especially when the Lakers paid this guy to not only be LeBron's co-star, but to be his successor, right? So so for, uh, you know, some next steps for the Lakers, again, AD needs to basically step up his shooting. Um, I think also Frank Vogel needs to get him some easier threes, uh, specifically in, uh, some corner threes. You know, we know the easiest three-point shot in the league is the corner three. Or some post-ups, that'll be nice. Well, I mean, they try to, but the problem is half of his minutes basically are, you know, with another big, and you can't really post up like that. Because he can't play center. And, you know, so I think getting him some corner threes would help, you know, bump up that percentage. Um, unfortunately, the Lakers still have to rely on LeBron James to basically win them games. And that's, again, not a conducive way to success. Um, when LeBron James does sit, though, they have to, I think, I think the key for them is that they just have to run quick like crazy with Westbrook. Westbrook, I think, is the key for them to have their success. And in order for them to have success with Westbrook, I think they just need to be running up and down the court. Now, again, the Lakers are second in pace. 
So they have been trying to do that, but I think they, when LeBron James sits down, I think they just need to commit to that. 100%. Like my my idea, and like this was something that someone actually suggested to me. It's like, okay, because you can't bench Russell Westbrook, you can play him with the starter for the first few minutes, sub him off, and then run him with the second unit. Because at least with the second unit, you can play him alongside some other shooters, and at least get some force spacing that way, and make and just make Westbrook the prime focus on offense. Again, ideally, I think you would have Westbrook off the bench, but. Nobody's going to put him off the bench with this contract. $40 million, you can't put that guy off the bench. Exactly. It's impossible. Um, they also have to shoot better at the line now. Again, I don't know if they will just because of how... None of these guys are great three, uh, free throw line, free throw shooters. They're six in attempts, so they are getting trips to line. The unfortunate thing is they're not course. making it, right? They're 25th in percentage uh, at the line. So they're, they're getting to the line, but they're not making it. And I think for the Lakers, again... The easiest thing to say is, you know, make some trades because of the fact that the issues with this team are a core fundamental issue with the roster construction. Um, they basically need some younger players who won't get injured as easily. Um, they need some three-point shooters, especially I think a stretch big would be nice. And they need some defenders, especially at the, at the wings. Now, again, that's very easy to say, but, you know... The Lakers are kind of limited in what they can do in terms of the trades. Hey, I they mean, have. They, they had that in Alex Caruso, but they let him walk. They couldn't. They couldn't afford to pay him, but they were able to go out and trade for Russell Westbrook. Like this is why the Lake, like Lakers, and like the way they operate as a franchise makes makes no sense because they don't focus on development. They just focus on what can we buy and accumulate. And now again, that is somewhat to do with you know the timeline that they're in of you know LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but. There has to be some, you know, it just has to be better simply. Yeah. And the thing is, if you can't make, you know, trades, you're essentially stuck with this team and you kind of just have to figure out from there. I was thinking like a similarity to this team would be probably the 2012 Lakers team who, you know, ideally should have been better. Um, but again, basically those trades killed them. The, the Dwight Howard, Steve Nash trades killed them. They had no room to get better. And they, they just could never figure it out. And this is kind of the path that this year's Lakers team has been going on. Yeah, no, that's probably the best comparison. But, like, again, it's just kind of disappointing to see how much potential the Lakers actually had and how much expectation there is. And the fact that they're playing this poorly is just, it's just sad, honestly. Especially for LeBron in this twilight of his career. I expected more out of that. But, yeah, so the Lakers definitely are... They're they're in a really bad spot. But speaking of another team that honestly, they're in like I don't know they're they're below what we expected them to be. Now the Toronto Raptors we didn't ex we expected them to you know not be a world beater, not be a, a contender, but we didn't expect them to be a playoff team and be a consistent tough team to beat every night. Now the Raptors are currently have a record of eight and ten, which is twelfth in the Eastern Conference, which is very bad. Like it's giving you Tampa Raptor vibes, yeah. which. We all want to forget. But here's the crazy part. You know, we at least for us, knowing how the roster's built, we were thinking that the Raptors were going to be a defensive first team that's going to struggle offensively. It's been kind of the opposite, where they're 8th in offensive rating, but 21st in defensive rating. And especially recently, their defense has been horrible. Basically, since Siakam came back. Now, again, before all you casuals say, oh, Siakam sucks, Siakam sucks, trade him. That's not the reason why they're struggling. He's been a part of that, but... Relax, bro. The guy just came back from a surgery. Pascal Siakam only played seven games this season, and he's 
hasn't played basketball in six months. Like the guy, the guy has some leeway. And I'll talk about some of the benefits that Pascal is actually doing on the court because it's not all bad. And Pascal still trying to get his legs under him. But realistically speaking, we don't, we never expect this out of a Nick Nurse team. And I, don't, I think Nick Nurse is even confused by it himself because the Raptors have the talent. Obviously, they have the personnel to, to, to be at least a, comp, a strong defense, but they're just allowing way too much. Uh, their opponents to do way too much, you know, they're not disciplined, and without OG Ananobi especially, it's just been so apparent how the Raptors have so many flaws defensively, you know, they've, number one is they double team and they overhelp way too much, I've seen it time and time again, where against, like for instance, Damian Lillard, we would double up Damian Lillard only to leave CJ McCollum wide open for a three, or we would, you know, guard the, guard the perimeter, and then only to leave a wide open layup, you know, things like that are inexcusable for a defense. That you cannot allow wide open looks, especially from three, and expect NBA teams to not make their shots. Then, which brings me to the second thing: Aggre- like overly aggressive closeouts. Now, the Raptors and Nick Nurse's system is designed to prevent prevent the three. Like they are going to chase you off that line. But the Raptors, especially a player like Chris Boucher. And obviously some of the rookies, Fima Hyluk has been guilty of that a couple of times as well. They just overly aggressively, you know, close out on the shooter only to get beat on a pump fake, blow by, and there you go, wide open possession right there. You know, that that's not how you win, man. Like, that's not how you defend on any level. And the reality is that's happening far too often to, to ignore it. And then lastly, again... They're just way, like, they're just undersized. Honestly speaking, they don't have a lot of rim protection. And I'll talk about that kind of later in a bit. But their undersizedness is the reason why teams are able to take advantage of them. Now, yeah, they do got some decently sized wings. But from the big man spot and from the guard positions, they're severely undersized. Again, I think, like you mentioned, their defense has been the most disappointing aspect of this team because of the fact that their defense was supposed to be a strength for them. Um, now, again, regarding, there's a lot of a lot of issues, you know, or a lot of questions or criticisms surrounding Nick Nurse's defense. Number one, I think the biggest issue is that it's just a lot of young guys learning how to play defense, and that's why the defense... Has not been as good. Nurse's system is also complicated. It's complex. It's complex to learn. Um, and again, there was the question of should the Raptors, should Nick Nurse simplify the defense for the team or should he keep it the same and make the young guys work to get better? Now, again, there's an advantage with simplifying it in the sense that maybe you could have some immediate results. But if you're building for the future and you want to build a contender, you want to build it the right way. You want to build up young guys the right way to play the right way and to understand and have high IQs. And that's not going to happen if you simplify the defense for these guys. Therefore, I'd rather take the fact that these guys have to learn and learn a lot than try to simplify and dumb it down for these guys and then they get lazy. You know, I'd rather not have them. So, I mean, despite the criticism of Nick Nurse's defense, I still think it'll get better. Now, regarding the point of aggressive closeouts, we know what Nick Nurse's defense is, right? Deny the paint um, and then run like crazy to deny the three-point shot, right? Unfortunately, again, those aggressive closeouts have not been the best. Now, again, the statistics say if you aggressively close out, they'll miss, the opponents will miss more shots than they take. The issue is that when those... 
that only works when you have veteran defenders, smart defenders like Marc Gasol backing you up, right? We know the Raptors in their championship season still did that. They aggressively closed out the three-point shooters, but that that worked when you had a guy like Marc Gasol, a guy like Serge Ibaka to back you up. You don't have those guys for you anymore. And so when aggressive closeout happens, you just see all these breakdowns that happen for the Toronto Raptors defense. And that comes with a lack of experience, right? Um, so again, I think a lot of these issues can be traced back to just the youth on this team, which is fine. But, you know, that's kind of what contributes to what's wrong with the Raptors defense. Yeah. And again, like you mentioned, like it's, it's about personnel. Like when Nick Nurse's system, we've seen how effective it can be when it's done by the right people. 2019 Raptors defense is probably the greatest thing I've ever watched. Yeah. Like again, like the, it, it works. The system works. It's about getting these guys up to speed. And so far it just hasn't worked out uh, this season, which is really surprising considering the defense is what we expected to be really good. Now, I am going to bring up the offense as a negative point because, again, the offense is doing well, but here's, my, here's the problem. The Raptors are a transition-based team. They're a team that's going to rely upon transition. Case in point, they're 27th in pace. They're not a team that is built... and They're not a team that is built to be 27th in pace. They're a team that's built to be fast-paced. Why aren't they, why aren't they moving, the, moving up and down the court faster? Too many stagnant offensive possessions. And it makes it difficult because, A, when you're giving up so, point, so many points defensively, it's difficult when you have a stagnant offense to get back into these games. They gain momentum to play harder on defense, and that's a problem. And another thing, going back to the, going back to the defense, you can't get out in transition without getting stopped defensively. Exactly. And that's the biggest problem right now. So because of the defense, it's affecting the offense where the Raptors are now 27th in pace. Uh, they are 28th in assists because they, they can't move the ball. They don't have that, you know, at least those those creators that can create looks or actually hit shots. They are 23rd in field goal percentage, you know, and th- that's the big problem. Like there's only four guys I can trust on the Raptors to create their own shots. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. That is it. And all four of those guys start. So you kind of see the problem here. There's nobody else on that team who can cre- actively create their own offense. And defenses know that. For, for the offense, like you mentioned, basically it's there's two types of guys besides these four guys on the Raptors, right? Um, there's the guys who can finish the possessions but not get their own shots like a Sveeb McKaylick, um, like ideally Chris Boucher, ideally. Um, like a Ken Birch, you know, guys who can at least finish the possession, but they can't get their own shot. Um, whereas you have also on the opposite side, a bunch of guys on the Raptors who can, you know, create their shot, but they can't hit the shot. Delano Banton, Malachi Flynn, Scotty Barnes. These guys can dribble, they can get their shots up, but they they can't finish their shots. And that's basically the problem with the Raptors offense. Despite the fact that they have a good offensive rating, they're a top 10 offense in the league. When you look at them, it doesn't scream it doesn't seem like they have a top 10 offensive. No. And again, like we mentioned, it's a tale of, you know, two ends um, on the court for the Raptors and it's been a disappointing one thus far because of the fact that this was not what the team was supposed to be. Now, again, if it wasn't what the team was supposed to be, but yet they were winning, I think we'd be fine with it. The problem is this wasn't what the team was supposed to be and was built for, and they're not winning either. And they're losing to teams they, they shouldn't lose to. Like, they lost at Cleveland when they were winning that entire game. 
They gave it up in the fourth quarter and with 4.8 seconds left. They lost to Detroit because the Detroit Pistons just outplayed them. They outworked them. And, well, and basically they gave up a bunch of threes at yeah, the end. They gave up a bunch of threes. And then, so when you're losing the team that you're not supposed to be losing to, it really compounds that the 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 holes and the the weaknesses of your of your team, and not to say that this is an excuse at all. But the next reason that I wanted to point out why the, why the Raptors well like what's wrong with the Raptors is they've been injured and they've had a lot of underperforming players on their team. Like we mentioned, Pascal Siakam. Now he's just getting back. He came off surgery. He hasn't played basketball in six months. He's only played seven games. Defensively, it's coming along. I'm not. He's not perfect at all. On defense right now. The Utah game was rough. The Utah game was very rough for him. But other than offensively, Pascal's been really good. He's been hitting his shot, his jump shots, three-point shot. The mid-range looks really good. You know, he's moving well. And he's not interfering, like, especially when he was playing alongside OG, when OG was feeling it. He wasn't interfering with what OG was doing. He, he was playing within the flow of, of the game, which is exactly what you want to see out of Pascal. Because... Th- that's what he did when with Kawhi was on the team. He's he's a system player offensively. Now he's a very gifted system player offensively in the sense that he can get twenty five points a night. But he is he, he needs a role within the offense. He's not an isolation type of guy, you know, every single time down the court. And so the fact that he's taking those smarter shots now again, comparatively to last season where basically he kind of had no help half the time. You know, he's he's I think he's fine with deferring a lot of the times and getting his shots off of for example like dump offs from Gary Trent Jr. or off of you know pick and pops with Fred and there are more players that he can now rely upon like not it's not just Fred anymore there's Gary there's Gary Trent who's been so great this season uh OG Ananobi has been playing very well so Pascal has some guys Sfi Mahilo can be a give me a good release valve so they they have some guys who Pascal can kind of trust more and kind of you know defer a little bit more to so Obviously, him not being a hundred percent is definitely hurting the team. OG Ananobi, he was playing so well, and now and and he ended up getting hurt now, so that's a big loss. That's we, twenty points gone right there. He averages twenty points a game, and I think realistically he can average. He could have averaged more the way he was playing, and honestly, defensively, I think where he's so missed right now. Like I can glaringly see, uh, like against the Warriors, the Raptors are playing. Like Andrew Wiggins went off on that game because Scotty Barnes can't do have that same on-ball level defense that OG Ananobi brings. Because, again, experience, positioning, timing, that all comes into a play factor. Which brings me into more of the bench players. A guy who hasn't even played this season is Utah Watanabe. Utah Watanabe, we were expecting a lot of big things out of Utah, but unfortunately he got hurt. Now, he can still bring those things to the Raptors, but it doesn't help that he's not there. And then it also doesn't help where guys like Chris Boucher and Precious Chua are severely underperforming. Now, again, the thing with Precious Achua, I can at least be a little bit fine with it. He's basically a second-year player. He's technically really a rookie because he barely played in his yeah. rookie season for the Miami. He's kind of his first time on the court. So I'll give some slack And there's Precious. upside there. Like, there's and upside with Precious. Exactly. There's a lot of upside. The issue is with Chris Boucher. Now, Chris Boucher... You know, I think a lot of people thought that Chris Boucher would be really good, but for me personally, I never... Well, he had a great year last year. He had a great year, but again, Chris Boucher is 28. He's almost hitting that 30 mark, and this is kind of what he's always been as a player, right? He had that one blip, basically, last season where he was amazing, but he's kind of, I think, 
regress to what the, he is. The fact that our two rookies, Alano Banton and Scotty Barnes, are more disciplined on defense than Chris Boucher should tell you a lot about, you know, the how Chris Boucher is as a player. Now again, Chris Boucher, credit to him, he plays really hard, which we all respect. But and when he's on, he's great. Unfortunately, like you said, the discipline and just the bad IQ at times. Like offensively, man, this guy chucks up shots. Yeah, man, and it, like you just question what the guy's doing. Shout out William Lou. I think he said best. Uh, Dragic had to learn that when you have a given goal uh, with Chris Boucher, Dragic had to learn that that means uh, give the ball to Chris Boucher and go get the rebound because that ball's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But again, speaking of the, those two guys. The Raptors have no backup big to play on their team. Like, Precious Achua, he's great. Now, Ken Birch has been really solid for Ken the Raptors. Ken Birch has been amazing. Like, bro. defensively, he's, he's just been an anchor for the team. Offensively, he's been amazing, too. Offensively, again, like, he's such a reliable... He's a reliable big, but besides that, the Raptors don't have another reliable big off the bench. We just talked about Boucher being underwhelming. And Precious, although there's upside, he's undersized. And that's the problem when you have matchups against, like, the Joel Embiid's the Andre Drummond's, the Steven Adams. Nikola Jokic. Jokic. Like, these guys are too big for a guy like Precious Achua to play against. And frankly, Ken Birch can't do it all himself. And Ken Birch is like 6'9". Yeah. This guy's not that big either. He's 6'9". He's just strong as hell. So, again, and then also when you factor in, we're 29th in defensive rebounding, so we can't even get our own boards. We're giving up off second, second chances to the opponents. 19th in total rebounding. And then we're second, 22nd in blocks. So we're not... We don't have any rim protection. We don't have rebounding, which is exactly what you wanted from your center spot. We're not getting that. And that's something that's a big problem. And then, which brings me to my, my biggest pet peeve with the Raptors right now, is the bench. The bench is so inconsistent. Like, our starters, believe it or not, do really well together. Like, our starting lineup does really well. But, again, the bench is so inconsistent. Svima look very up and down. Although, again, I, like, I do like him as a player, and I like what he can bring. He's very up and down. Delano Banton, also been up and down. And again, he doesn't have that offensive creation yet. And he's a rookie. And we didn't really expect him to get this much rotation time. Let's be real. Bro, we expected him to be in the G League. Pretty much. The fact that this guy's even on the team right now and playing significant minutes is a lot of credit. I mean, even when he went to the G League, he dominated. So, like, the guy is not a G League player. He's an NBA player. So, those two guys as your backcourt, again, that's inconsistency right there. Utah Watanabe should help fix some of those issues, bringing in another shooter, bringing in a defender. Another creator. He's a great playmaker. Exactly. Bringing in in another creator. So, he should help fix some of those issues. But, again... You don't have any creation off your bench. You don't have rely like you can't rely upon your bench to you know consistently keep you in games. And you, we tried Gary Trent Jr. off the bench. That doesn't work. So he plays it's the re- Norman Powell problem. It's the Norman Powell problem. But he plays so well with the starters. You cannot take him off. And same thing with Scotty Barnes because he can't create for himself yet. And so you can't put him on the bench because that'll just exaggerate the problems even more that's already there. I know when we're talking about the Norman Powell problem, Raptors fans know what we're talking about. It's basically the fact that guys like Gary Trent and uh, Norman Powell, alongside the starters, are absolutely amazing. When you send them to a bench, it does not go so well. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned, like a guy like Svi, um, again, we have to think about this. Svi's also in his like third, what, third, fourth year, whatever it is. He's also a very young player. Um, So I can, up and downs are kind of expected. This is probably his biggest role in his career thus far, too. Like, he hasn't played this many minutes in his career either. What I am surprised about with Fee and a pleasant surprise is that we somehow turned him into a very good defender. 
which is very, yeah. <laughs> which has been amazing. I think the progression for his feet on the defensive end has been amazing because this guy's been crazy. The steal of the active hands. Unfortunately, that's kind of. It seems like it's kind of come at a cost of his offensive game, which w- the way how hard he works defensively, that's kind of to be expected. But we also need his three point shot to you know to bail us out all of. On a lot of well, we also don't generate open looks for him too, which is also another thing. We like if the guy is getting a little bit more open looks, like maybe he'd be hitting more of them. But instead, we're giving him the ball and having him create that shot, and he just can't do that. So, at least not yet. At least not yet. And same thing. Same goes with Scotty Barnes. We've seen the guy has shows flashes that he can create. He's gonna make those shots, and eventually he will. With the potential that Scotty Barnes has, he's gonna make those shots. But it's just not there yet. So some of the next steps for the Raptors, obviously the defense needs to improve like big time. Like it cannot be this bad where you're literally scoring the same amount as you're giving up on the other end. Like it just can't be that way. And a lot of that, like I said, Zishan mentioned, like a lot of that will get cleaned up with like scheming, with guys getting more familiar with the system. That should iron itself out. But that's a that's a big fix that you gotta have. Offensively, again, although the team statistically looks the, the numbers look good statistically. They need another creator, especially off the for the bench. You can't keep relying upon three, four guys to create all your offense for you. It's and just again, not those, sustainable. Those three, four guys basically are at the top of the league in terms of minutes played. Yeah, because Fred, Fred has been at the top of the league. OG's been at the top of the league. Pascal's been at the top of the league since basically they've played significant minutes for the Raptors every single season. Yeah, and again, you, you, that's not sustainable for a full 82-game season. And the last thing I'll say is they need a trade. Like they, it's time for a trade. I know it's early in the season, but they they just this team is missing stuff right now, and they need to get rid of underperforming or, un, or like not underutilized players that can actually and for players that can actually add value to your team and actually fix your issues. Like we need a, we need a center. That's number one, and we also need a creator. Like I just mentioned earlier, and there's three guys who are on a trade block right now. It's Chris Boucher, Goran Dragic, because the guy is not even playing, and we're paying him 19 million to sit his ass on the bench, and. Unfortunately for me, Malachi Flynn. Like, I really like Malachi, and I think he has a lot of potential. But again, Delano Banton's been so good that we can't get minutes for him. And that's the one that he could be used as a trade asset to kind of flip uh, some one of, our, one of them too. Again, the one that hurts is Malachi Flynn, like you mentioned. Because we all, I think all Raptors fans love Malachi Flynn. But the problem is it's going to be one of those situations where there's not enough space. You... He's not going to blossom on this team, and until he goes to another team, that's when you can really see him shine. Chris Boucher has been garbage uh, most of the time. Sometimes he plays good. Um, and then Goran Dragic, again, like, we didn't really get him. We didn't trade for him to keep him on the team, basically. So, Masai Ujiri, a- after December, this will all be fixed, hopefully. Yeah, he's he's going to be working the phones at some point. And, yeah, last thing I'll point out, the Raptors need to get healthy. Like, I... I love what I was seeing with OG Ananobi, and I want to see that guy back, man. But Ken Birch is also ailing, so they need to get healthy as well in order to fix a lot of the issues that they have going on with the team. But yeah, those those were that's what's wrong with the Raptors and the Lakers. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Do you agree or disagree with those teams? Obviously, it's been a bit of a bit of a struggle for them, but hopefully they can turn it around. I have more faith in the Raptors than I do the Lakers. Let's be real. Um, but. We'll see At the happens. same time, we don't have LeBron James. So. Yeah, we don't have LeBron James. So, but we'll see what happens, man. Moving us on into the up and under segment for this week. First and foremost, are you up or under on Nuggets? Michael Porter Jr. likely out for the season. 
with a nerve injury in in his back now. He has had a, a history of back issues. Uh, and P.J. Dozier is out for the season with the torn ACL. Yeah, man, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah. The Nuggets are just completely decimated with injuries, and it's unfortunate because of the fact that when we were looking at them last year, not even like a couple seasons ago, literally last year we were looking at them as a championship contender, literally right there with the big three of Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and a bunch of good role players around them. You know, their whole team was pretty good. They had a three-headed monster. Um, they had a great complimentary guy in Aaron Gordon. Then they had a bunch of good pieces. And now it looks like it's kind of just all breaking down, basically. Michael Porter Jr., the issue with Michael Porter Jr. is that oh. this is his health has always been the issue, right? And that's yeah. why he slid to 14th or 13th, whatever it was. Um, and it's always been the back. And again, this was kind of the risk that the Nuggets had to take. When they gave him that contract. Now, again, I don't fault them for giving that contract because that's kind of what the market dictates at this point, right? But that's kind of the risk that you had to take. And unfortunately, P.J. Dozier is another guy that was, you know, uh, another guy, another diamond in the rough that the Denver Nuggets found, similar to Monte Morris, um, Will Barton, who was struggling early in his career until he got to Denver. You know, these guys are diamond in the roughs that... Uh, you know, Denver's scouting team has been great at finding it. And unfortunately, P.J. Dozier, you know, will lose the season. And, you know, unfortunately, again, like I said, the, with, the, with the season that Nikola Jokic is having um, of, you know, like just the historic greatness that he's putting out just on carrying. a daily basis, it's unfortunate that, you know, this is kind of what he's going to be asked to work with. Yeah, I mean... It, it sucks because, again, they're two talented young players. Now, there's good and bad that the Nuggets gave Michael Porter Jr. that contract. It's good because they also locked up a lot of their other core players as well. So, it's not like this was a, a win it, uh, go all in, win it this year sort of thing. They have, like, next year and stuff too. But here's the thing. Jamal Murray is also coming off an injury. Now, Michael Porter Jr. is coming off, coming off injury. P.J. Doe, like... A lot of these guys are coming off injuries. How healthy are they going to be next season? And that's the Nikola big Jokic thing. Jokic is injured right now. Jokic is injured right now. Like, Jokic is carrying a huge load. You can't expect the guy to keep doing that for... Especially when he's going to be in a contract year next year as well. So, it's kind Didn't of a... did they already sign him to an extension? I don't think he signed an extension yet. Either way, he'll sign the extension. No, he'll sign an extension. But it's also just like, you can't expect the guy to carry that big of a load for so long. Like, you know what Basically, I'm they're a top... Five team when he's on the court, and they become the worst team in the league when he's off the court. Yes, yeah. is what it is. Uh, next up, unfortunately, you know another piece of unfortunate news: um, the Cavaliers, Colin, uh, Colin Sexton, will also be out for the season with a torn meniscus. So, what are your thoughts on that, and how that situation is gonna play out for both the player and for Cleveland? I mean, it sucks for Colin Sexton for sure because again, he's the guy who's looking to, looking for a contract, and the Cavs didn't want to pay him. But I think for the Cavs, it's kind of a blessing. In this, well, it's a blessing and a curse for the Cavs because, number one, now you get to see more of Darius Garland and kind of give the reins to him and kind of see what more potential does he have in him. And I think there is a lot more potential in Darius Garland than there is in Colin Sexton. But it also sucks for the Cavs because now they can't trade uh, Colin Sexton because he's hurt. So that kind of sucks. Yeah, man. Like, again, for the Cavs, again, like, nobody ever wants to see an injury. So it's it's... It's definitely never a good thing to have a player injured at all. Um, but for the Cavs' point of view, it's it, it's tough because despite the fact that it would free up Darius Garland, you know, and his his responsibilities, 
It's also the fact that you just want another scorer there. It's always nice to have yeah. a player who you can at least rely on to get like 18 points a game. Yeah. Right? No. You'd rather have that 18 points a game than not have that 18 also, points. Also, what other backcourt can you call Sexland? Yeah. Again, <laughs> legendary backcourt duo. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Colin Sexton, MPJ, PG Dozer. Hopefully, all those guys get injured. I mean, don't get. <laughs> hopefully, no. they all get healthy. Or they all get healthy is why I meant. I'm Words are hard. Oops. Oops, yeah. <laughs> Words are hard. Yeah. But, but hopefully yeah. they get healthy and then hopefully obviously you know they come back better than ever. So absolutely you know, shout out to all those guys for sure. Yeah. Speaking of some positive news. <laughs> the hit list is back and it's on it's working. It's it's back. Sacramento Kings have fired head coach Luke Walton. Are you up or under? And there's only I one am option. Up. I am up. There's <laughs> that is only the correct one option. correct option. Now again, I, I don't want to act works. like you know we're happy about a guy losing his job. But realistically, he'll be fine. And either way, he sucked at his job. Let's be honest. Right? Uh, this should have happened... Last year? Last... It should have happened before last year, man. He should it have should have never happened. Should have it should have never job. happened is what, what it should be. It should have never happened. We literally... You can go back to when we had... Whenever he got hired. And you can find the episode where we talked about his hiring. And I'm 99% sure we both said this was a bad hire. I definitely said it was a bad hire. Because... Oh, we knew right away. We I, knew right away. After his Lakers stint, hiring Luke Walton was not it. And, like, bro, what was this guy doing? Like, can we point to one thing he actually did successfully for the Sacramento Kings? No, we can't. In fact, he regressed them. He regressed them, From exactly. what Dave Yeager got him to, they, he re- they regressed. Like, you know, the biggest note about the Sacramento Kings, the most successful season that they had was when they were, like, at the top of the league in pace. They were running up and down the court with De'Aaron Fox. And they won a good amount of games. Luke Walton came in and said, nah, we're going to play the slowest pace in the league with De'Aaron Fox at the point guard spot. Logic. There isn't any. But yeah, I mean, it was bound to happen. At least you can say Vivek Ranadive did one thing right. Now... I mean, it shouldn't have happened in the first place, so I don't think we can count that as something right. But it's the Kings. Like, honestly, their franchise is just so poorly run, man. Like, I I just, I, I can never justify any decisions they make. I Listen, can't. man. If there's if there's two fan bases, I will accept that they are that they you know jump off their team and uh, bandwagon other teams. It's the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Sacramento Kings. I have I do not fault you guys at all for bandwagoning other teams. I do not. I I can't even imagine how sad that would be. Bro, it's so sad. I, I, yeah, Bro, the, I looked at the start. I think the Kings haven't made the playoffs in like what fifteen years. Four, I think it's fourteen. They have the longest. Uh, it's the longest drought. drought. Yeah. yeah, in the NBA. Um, and then finally, are you up or under on, <laughs> on the LeBron James Isaiah Stewart fight? Now LeBron James got suspended for one game for his uh, you know punch slap on Isaiah Stewart, and Isaiah Stewart got suspended for two games for going absolute ape crazy. I'm okay. I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of under on it because. I expected more. <laughs> like I think that's what I wanted. Like the way the the way it built up and escalated so quickly. I was like, "Yo, this, this someone's gonna throw hands here," but nothing happened. But then also at the same time, I'm looking at the punishments that the NBA helped give down. I'm like, "You gave Isaiah Stewart only two games. You had to make an example out of this guy. The guy ran over coaches. He could have injured a coach or or an official or anybody really who was trying to stop a." A madman seven footer from like trying to punch someone because he got hit in the face. Bro, Detroit Lions need to offer him that contract. Yo, man. Dan Campbell's already on the phone with him. He's like, that brother has heart. He goes for kneecaps. Like, bro, that guy's that guy would be a good tight end, man. The guy, bro, he's jacked. 
Isaiah Stewart is jacked, bro. Apparently, he, he boxed a lot in high school. Uh, I wouldn't doubt boxer, that, yeah. he, that guy is jacked, bro. Like, if you saw that dude coming towards you, I am running the other <laughs> you way. You should run the other way. But, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, and the thing is, the way it all happened, like, okay, LeBron hit you. I get it. You know, was it a great play by LeBron? No. But did LeBron mean to do it? I don't think he meant to hit him in the face and cut him. And I think he meant to hit him. I don't think he yeah. meant to hit him in the face. Yeah, and LeBron apologized for that. But, again, I don't think it warranted Isaiah Stewart literally losing his mind. Over Again, this. I don't. I wouldn't fault Isaiah Stewart if he tried to get back at LeBron. But the problem was do that, it right away. But exactly, like he was literally right in front of LeBron. He didn't do anything. Now again, it can be argued that he went absolutely crazy once he felt the blood. Which okay, maybe that was the case. But at the same time, like like you mentioned, man, like you gotta bro, you're your- already all the way there. You're not getting to LeBron when there's like 95 people between you. It, there's no point, man. Just relax. There's no point of losing that those two game checks. Of having that reputation now going forward. And, you know, you know, again, going after the commissioner is never a good idea, man. Well, here's the thing. There's, like, it's the fact of the matter is, why is this only two games? The guy could have legitimately hurt somebody if he, you know, if things escalated even further. So, you're giving him two games. The number, the second thing, why did LeBron get a suspension? Uh, for, got, for punching him, basically. That, that's, that's a flagrant two. He should have been ejected from the game. I think it's the blood that got suspended. Come on. It's, it's the blood. I no, would say. man. I think it's the blood. I think it's just because people were, people wanted LeBron to face some sort of punishment. that like They're like, okay, take a game. Yeah, because uh, they, they were... Basically, all eyes were on the NBA that they were like, is the NBA going to suspend the commissioner or not? <laughs> all right? is he gonna, are they going to suspend it? So I think they, they probably just had to suspend him just because, you know, protect himself. their reputation, yeah. LeBron suspended himself. But no, I I, I mean, I'm under because I'm just like, the situation should not have gone as far as it did. But And then also the punishment is just pathetic in my opinion. I mean, I would say I'm up just because it's me. Bro. Yeah, it's you because <laughs> you just like the scrap. I mean, that's basically bro, it. It was just funny, man. I was watching. No, it, I was it, just dying, bro. But dude, just, I, it was so funny. I was trying to figure out what the hell happened. I'm like, yo, this happened on an NBA game? Shout out Isaiah Stewart, though, because this guy always goes at people. I respect it, man, because this guy, he's an undersized center, but whenever people push him, he always pushes back, and I respect that. So I respect yeah, like, Isaiah Stewart, man. Yeah, man. Like, at least like the guy fights back, so that's pretty cool. I want to see him and James Johnson go at it. That's what I want to see. Listen, James Johnson is, what was it, 7-0? and Oh, yeah, that guy's a beast. I just want to see him fight crazy, someone. That guy's crazy, bro. That guy's crazy. I he, just, he's like, I think it's like 7-0. All his brothers are all like undefeated or something too. Like, bro, his whole family's just like, bro, you don't want to mess with any of them. You don't want to mess with them. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show and all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Upletter and Under Podcast, Facebook.com slash Up and Under Podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or reaction to news as they occur. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. Also, uh, check out our website, UpAndUnderPodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen or watch the full thing, you can read about it on our website. So definitely check that out if you haven't done so. And yeah, man... We said at the beginning of the episode, time is flying. Like, we're almost 20 games into the season. And sooner or later, we're going to get into December, the Christmas break. It's been a great season, though. It's been a very great season. Despite very... the fact that our team sucks. But, but hey, man. Like, the one thing is, there's, 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 we, it, it's not going as we expected it to play out. We're like, it would be Brooklyn and LA. Like, we're seeing some different stuff going on no, right now. No, but again, there's no actual 
favorite right no. now, I would say. Yeah, there's no there's no favorite right now. And that's an exciting thing to have, especially for the NBA. Especially with, the new rule changes. Especially with the new rule amendments, like so. Yeah, they, they've been great. But yeah, man, we're going to keep on watching the season. We're going to keep on bringing you more content. But that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.